All right. Um, we're going to get right into the word because that's why you come to church. Uh, we do come to hear candidates, but more importantly, we come to hear from Jesus. So uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. These, these folks will hand you one. And we're going to be in John chapter 1. Uh, so in the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first chapter, chapter 1. John chapter 1. And this comes out of our anchored reading series. For those of you who don't know what it is, we're going through the Bible in two years as a congregation. You can find the outline. We do Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, a reading every day, and you'll go through the entire Bible in two years. And then Pastor Rick and I teach out of a passage that we've been reading through the course of this last week. So thus it comes to John chapter 1. We just finished going through the book of Luke. Um, now we're going through Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, and I have to tell you, that one's like, it's really kind of, yeah, it's like kind of R-rated, and I'm thinking, that's what I love about the Bible, it just doesn't hold anything back. It's describing his wife and the alabaster neck, and I'll leave it alone, but I just was really, it's, uh, I don't know, I, this is a tough crowd, last service was really a little nicer, I just have to say it, they were just, they were a lot nicer, and uh, John chapter 1, uh, the reason why the Lord put this on my heart on Baptism Sunday is because uh, this is a picture of the testimony of John the Baptist uh, towards Jesus, and he testifies on behalf of the Lord. And that's really what baptism is. It's a public testimony, and you're, you're going to bear witness today, those of you who are going to be baptized. We had a profound baptism last service. It was really precious. Uh, matter of fact, uh, if I have time, I want you to meet one of the folks getting baptized today, but i got to go quickly. Also, uh, it's been a busy week, and um, I got home at 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I went to Dallas to the Beck Studios to film a biblical citizenship class, um, and we're watching churches with thousands of congregants across the country taking these biblical citizenship classes, and people are awakening to what it means to be an American and opening up these sacred documents of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and becoming uh, folks that are mindful to be able to hold these candidates accountable to that which constrains them so that our inalienable rights given by God are protected. I'm very encouraged by that. I showed up, the room was packed, I spoke, and they filmed it. But before I had the privilege to speak, uh, with you know, David Barton went after I did, and then Kirk Cameron was there, uh, a number of other folks were there speaking, and these videos are going to go out across the country. Um, I had a chance to tour David Barton's collection of uh, books of antiquity and artifacts that he has uh, obtained over the years. And at one point, these books were getting very hard to purchase. And, and I said, you guys are running out of money to be able to buy them. He goes, no, now it's e even easier to buy them. I go, why is it? He goes, because nobody reads books anymore. He said, everyone's going online and everything's being stored online. So when the time comes, they're going to be able to censor it more. So they, you know, we, we're buying all the hard copies. And as I'm walking through his works of antiquity, I came across some of the most unbelievable, unbelievable artifacts. I'm going to show you a, a couple of videos momentarily, but I was so deeply touched. Uh, in addition to seeing these artifacts, which you'll see momentarily, and David Barton will explain them, uh, I also had the chance, um, there were, uh, of the 40 astronauts, uh, most of them were Eagle Scouts. Of the 12 human beings, the 12 men that walked on the moon, only two of them were Eagle Scouts, Neil Armstrong, another man named Charlie Duke, Brigadier General Charlie Duke. And uh, it, it, uh, it's fascinating because it, there's, there's cyclical seasons where people come to me with uh, the idea that um, the, the moonwalk was staged um, 
And it, it's a conspiracy theory, and the government pulled a fast one because we're incapable of doing it today. I thought, okay, you know, show me your evidence. Well, the, the shadow and the, you know, there's no light on the moon and da-da-da. And I'm hearing all of it. And as I'm listening to these folks talk, I'm thinking to myself, you have way too much time on your hands. Um, you need to get a job. And, uh, <laughs> and some of you are offended by that. So what? I mean, I, that, I, I, I just want to tell you, 12 people walked on the moon. And of the 12 people that walked on the moon, there's 7.7 7 billion people on the earth. Charlie Duke was the youngest at age 36. He's now 87. This is the 50th anniversary of his moonwalk this week, t today, as a matter of fact. 50th anniversary. He, he, he picked up over 200 pounds of moon rock and dust samples. He has the high jump record. It's on video. You can see it. And he, he was a little giddy, and he jumped, and then he fell backwards, and he thought he'd ruptured his suit, and he was going to die. So he got real quiet. His friend's like, that was stupid. He goes, I know. <laughs> you can hear it on the recording. And, and uh, folks say that was staged. Well, I, I laugh at that because you think 50 years, every year 140 million babies are born. Calculate that over 50 years and then the 7.7 .7 billion on the earth. What's the percentage of all those lives over 50 years? It's exponentially more than 7.7 .7 billion. And only 12 walked on the moon and less than a handful are still living. And, and that testimony is, is uh, diminishing. You have all these people that have videotapes and they're analyzing them, but none of them are the ones that tes testified. None of them were eyewitnesses. The eyewitnesses, there's, there's 12 of them, almost like 12 apostles, isn't that interesting? And so um, most of them are dead now. Uh, but Charlie Duke isn't dead. And, and the question was, uh, and, and I felt stupid, the question was, you know, a lot of folks say that the moon landing didn't occur, neither did the walking. He goes, I hear it all the time. He said, Rob, I did it in 1972. Three days I was on that moon. He said, <clears throat> the interesting thing to me is what happened in 1978. In 1978, Six years after I walked on the moon, I saw a profound change in my wife. It floored me. Our marriage was in a lot of jeopardy, and I was a heavy drinker. And I noticed my wife changed, and she had met the Lord as her Savior. Jesus Christ became her Savior. I, I pushed her buttons, and she just seemed like a different woman to the point where I yielded my life to the Lord. He said, I've been walking with the Lord since 1978. And he said, Rob... Those folks that say I never walked on the moon, I really could care less. Because the fear of man is a snare. You want to know fear? If I'm lying, I have to stand before the creator of the universe and own up. And he said, I came to Christ because I walked on the moon. I saw the sphere of the earth. It's not flat. Some of you are like, well, I'm leaving this church. All right, I, great. I mean, if that, if that offends you, stick around, I got more. I don't seek to offend, I just have this unbelievable gift. <laughs> but you have a man who's testifying. 
And he holds to the realization that he'll stand before the Lord. He travels the country and speaks in churches. He's 87 years young. And there's tens of billions of people who have never done that. Only 12 have and less than a hand for a living. So it's easy. Any donkey can knock down a barn door. Only a carpenter can build one. Folks, and, and I told Charlie this. I said, you know, we can't even get to the moon today. And he goes, I know. I agree, I agree with you. He says, there's more technology in your smartphone than everything that they possessed at NASA and in Houston and on the rocket itself, on your smartphone. He said that the astronauts were brilliant. They could, they could do in-depth mathematical equations and, and they could do it with a piece of paper and a pencil. What happened with Apollo 13 and to get those men home and the calculations that they had to put together by mind and memory, nobody is being educated. Everyone's being indoctrinated. He said, he said the scientists today, for the most part, and, and these engineers, just stupid. He said, we're struggling as a nation with our educational system. He said, all the men I worked with were brilliant. He said, so yeah, I understand that. We're not progressing. And I was moved by that. A testimony. And you'll see why. Let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. John chapter 1. 34 verses. You'll be standing a little bit. Don't worry, I stand the whole time. By the way, this is the New Testament equivalent of Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. And if you can believe the first sentence of the Bible, you'll have no problem with the rest of it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can't believe the first sentence, the rest of the Bible is a waste of your time. Anyone who comes to God must first believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews. John is the same way. Because the Lord spoke the heavens into existence, he said, Yahior wa Yahior, light be, light was. He created out of nothing. First law of thermodynamics, matter can be neither created nor destroyed. Screams of a designer outside space and time. Second law of thermodynamics is everything reduces to its least common denominator. We're winding down, we're not evolving. Those are laws, not theories. Yet we have come up with a fanciful attempt to try to remove God from all equations. And yet here you see in John what happened on that day of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, and all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him 
and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? John confessed he did not deny, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethbara, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, and I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. That's a testimony. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. We thank you for the testimony. We thank you for the witness of John the Baptist. Lord, we're here today to watch men and women do the same as John, to witness and to testify that you, Lord Jesus, are their savior. You are the son of God. You are their Messiah. You are the savior of the world. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And so, God, please, I pray that every eye would be opened, even as John said, I did not know him, but I do now. Lord, I pray that this testimony, these witnesses, would cause others to realize there is a Savior, there is hope, there's life beyond the grave. Lord, these men and women whose eye, who, who mine eyes have witnessed, as Charlie Duke witnessed his wife's life, this is what compels us that we realize something has changed. They've changed. There's joy. There's hope. There's no fear. There's faith. God, would you do that for me? And Lord, as you say, yes. Yes, I will. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Are you lost, child? Come home. And all we need but say is, Lord, save me. And you do. What a wonderful Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Word. 
and all things were created by, for, and through you. We rejoice this day that you are the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world to take away the sins of the world. God, take away my sins. Cast them as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Cleanse me. Let me reason with you. Though my sins are as scarlet, you can wash them as white as snow. God, impart your righteousness. I bring you my sin. Lord, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an exchange too good to be true, but it is true. You endured the Via Dolorosa, the way of pain. You died in my place. You took the sins of the world upon you. And you did that for me. You did that for all who are in the hearing of my voice. God, please let us respond and not be stiff-necked and stubborn and prideful. God, please. I pray that you would do a work this day. And as John said later in John 3.30, man must decrease, but you, Holy Spirit, must increase. Would you have your way with us today? Would you increase? Speak to our hearts and cause the scales to fall off that we would see. We would see and know the truth and that truth would set us free. Bless us now we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, have a seat. <clears throat> I had a whole slide presentation, but I'm just gonna bypass it for the sake of time. We have baptisms to do. But I do have some clips I want to show you. And as we saw this idea of a testimony, of a witness, we see what John is declaring to the Pharisees that in a public witness, and I remember being brought before the judge on contempt charges, swearing to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I remember taking the oath of office as a councilman, swearing, so help me God. They used to make you put your hand on the Bible and raise your right hand. They don't do that anymore. And you're like, swear to who? And what is truth if God isn't? A world without God is a world without hope. Oh, we're secular progressives. We're improving. We're evolving. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> I didn't say that God didn't. The psalmist said, the man who says there's no God is a fool, is a fool. And so, as John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. When the Father spoke, the Son moved, because he's the Word. Everyone who bears witness, everyone who testifies, testifies with their voice, with their mouth, testifies in the hearing of others, I am a Christian. I have given my life to Christ. This is a testimony. This is a witness. This is a public profession of faith. This isn't a magical pool. You go in, it doesn't wipe away your sins. It'll take off dirt from your body, but it won't take the sin from your soul. Only Jesus does that. What you're doing in this pool is you're testifying, you're witnessing, you're saying, I want the world to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God, he's the savior of the world, but more than the savior of the world, he's my savior, he's my God, he's my Lord, he's my king. This is a place of testimony. You will be judged, you'll be ridiculed, you'll be mocked by your testimony. 
Though there be 10 billion people who have walked the earth in the 50 years since you walked the moon that would ridicule you, mock you, declare it never happened, you will stand before God and two questions are asked. Is the fear of man the why and what you do? Or is it the God of the universe who has called you to this pool to testify of what you know in the heart that beats by the one who keeps it beating? That's a testimony. That's a witness. And the Lord is going to do that today with men and women who are declaring in front of all the world, Jesus is my king. He's my savior. I want you to know that. He's already cleansed me. He's cast my sin as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. He reasoned with me. I came to him. I said, my sin is as scarlet. Jesus said, I'll wash it as white as snow. I'll cast it as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. You'll be a new creature in Christ. My righteousness will be put on your account. You will obtain that which you could never earn. I will give it to you. What do I give you in exchange? All I want is your sin and your heart. A man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. We say, yes, Lord. The only thing that hinders us is our pride. The fanciful pride where we make up some sort of a gimmick that God doesn't exist, where we have to twist our mind like a pretzel. Takes more faith to be an atheist than anything else. And yet today you'll see men and women testify, and for many it'll be unto death. Today they're gonna say, I'm no longer afraid. I'm giving everything to the Lord. I know what I'm doing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's a power unto salvation for all who would believe. I'm gonna do it publicly because I'm not afraid of man. I fear only one and that's God and it's not, it's not a capricious fear. It's reverential respect. Why wouldn't I for what he's done for me? Why wouldn't I let the, the world know I love him? I'm not ashamed of him nor of his, his word. A witness, a testimony. Truth is suppressed and it's destroyed. That's why you burn books. The most, 16 most tortured words in the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was fine for 150 years until Everson versus the Board of Education reversed it. No longer freedom of religion, but freedom from religion. Terrible, terrible ruling. And here we are in the mess of it. I'm running for office and one of the reporters, again, another terrible article that should just line my birdcage. If I had a bird, it'd be there. <laughs> the question was, don't you believe in a separation of church and state? And I said, let me reverse that. If... If you think the church should stay out of the state, don't you think the state should stay out of the church? <clears throat> Where do you stand on that? Well, I don't like people asking a question when I've asked a question. <laughs> but you're entwined in the same First Amendment, journalist. Where do your rights come from? And if they can separate you from an understanding and they separate you from the testimony and the witness, if they separate you from the original, if they take you from the documentation, what are you left with? They can rewrite everything. That's why you need to protect these things and study and, and catalog the truth. That's why you footnote your papers. But if we can destroy the sources, we can rewrite history. 
And so David Barton has collected these books. And this one was fascinating to me. I want to show you this book as I was walking through this bunker with thick cement walls that can withstand a blast and can withstand a Category 5 hurricane, steel doors. It was a fascinating place, all temperature controlled. And I came upon this book, and here's the video. Listen, it's profound. You think there's a separation of church and state? David Barton, can you explain what I'm looking at here? That is the first Bible printed in the English language in America, one of the rarest Bibles in the world. Uh, prior to us separating Great Britain, we were not allowed to print Bibles in English. The king told us what Bible to use. This, when it came out, on the bottom it says Robert Aiken. That is the official printer of the U.S. Congress. He printed everything for Congress. As you so turn, this was produced by the U.S. Congress? This is, you'll see the Congressional Committee here. They have the Congressional Committee. Uh, that there's James Duane, congressman who's over that committee. Then on the next page, it has the resolve the United States and Congress assembled and they recommend this edition of the Bible they have as the United States, Charles Thompson, Secretary of Congress. So this is described in the records of Congress as a quote, neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for the use of schools. So it was a Bible that was to be used in schools and has congressional endorsement in front of it. Uh, they printed about 10,000 of them at the time. There's probably 25, 30 left now. Most of them are in the hands of um, institutions like Smithsonian. Yeah. There's eight or nine left in private hands, and we have three of them. Wow. So. I don't know if you caught that. It was printed by the U.S. Congress. Hugo Black would have done well to have read that before he did Everson versus the Board of Education, the Establishment Clause. Tragic. One of the things that was powerful is, is we hear these stories about our founding fathers and what wretches they are. And did you know that all of our failures in world history are, well, we have in common with every other nation in the world our failures, but our successes are unique. Our slave-owning founders renounced their slave ownership. Benjamin Franklin became an abolitionist and started an abolitionist society. George Washington, the first president of the United States, his second inaugural address is right next to it. It's, it's a fascinating one. It was Hamilton's copy. It's right there. It's the original, you know, second inaugural address. Just Profound, and the next to it is this metal thing. Take a look. All right, so what is this now? George Washington's compass got that when he was a young man, had it till he died. Uh, it's interesting. When you close it, you can literally feel where his finger would have been on there. Amazing. Yeah. Feel that thing. Oh, wow. George Washington's compass. Mm -hmm. That makes history real close. It does. Well, this is a lock of his hair that Martha cut off when he died and gave to Alexander Hamilton. Amazing. And so that's a lock of hair from there. This is a lock of Alexander Hamilton's hair. This is Washington's 1796 address. This is the Sam Adams copy. Sam Adams was governor of Amazing. Massachusetts. These are just various founding fathers over here. 
that's the uh, six-page letter where Thomas Paine is saying, I am not an atheist. I don't believe in atheist. I believe in God. I'm not a Christian, but believes in God. So all sorts of founding father stuff here. That's the largest piece left at the Hindenburg after it went down. When they destroyed really good air travel. Yeah. I um, I got to touch the door handle of Lincoln's office. I saw the key that was in the pocket of the presidential box at Ford's Theater. I saw the collar of Lincoln that was filled with blood that was taken off his body when he was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. And I read a book by Stephen Mansfield, Lincoln's Battle with God, and had Stephen Mansfield dug a little deeper, he would have found this letter by Reverend Smith. Do we have that clip? Take a look at this letter by Reverend Sorry, Smith and William Herndon. So this is Herndon, who's a law partner of Lincoln, called a free thinker. At the time, they were law partners. They were both free thinkers, which we would call atheists. Right. Um, but what happened was Lincoln came to God first and then Christ later. And he came to God uh, through this preacher right here. He went and found this preacher. This is Reverend James Smith, Presbyterian preacher. And so he came to God really strong, was that way through the presidency, came to Christ right, right at Gettysburg. Um, and so Herndon comes out with a book after, after that point, and Herndon's talking about how the Lincoln's a free thinker. And Pastor Smith takes his head off saying, you know better than that. You know, he was way back in the day, but you know he came to God, and you know he came to Christ, etc. And so th this is a, a great piece on the spiritual journey of Lincoln. Um, it's passion. fascinating that Stephen Mansfield never saw this when he did Lincoln's Battle. These are original documentations written in the hand of those that were eyewitnesses. And the reason why this is critical and why we must educate ourselves and go to the original sources instead of speculation and feelings is because truth must be documented and preserved. And here you have a witness and a testimony that you would stand before God and before man and say, whatever the consequences, I want you to know Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And the power of that and what it's meant to my life and how it's transformed me is a, a testimony written on the, on the tablets of my heart. And you will see a profound change. And I think her name was Holly. Holly Duke transformed the youngest moonwalker, who said, as profound as walking on the moon was, 1978 was more profound than all of that. I walked on the moon for less than a few minutes, but I've been walking with the Lord my whole life. That's Charlie Duke. 50 years today. He doesn't care what you think. He knows what he did. He knows before whom he will stand to give an accounting of the truth that has set him free. There is truth. You'll know that truth. That truth will set you free. It's Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I testify of the truth. I am the truth. And it was John the Baptist who was the witness and the testifier before the Pharisees who would ultimately have him imprisoned and beheaded, and he wouldn't change his testimony. And you say, well, why all that and why today? Because today you become a testifier, a witness, 
Today you're going to tell the world that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Today you're going to tell the world that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Today you're going to tell the world I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power unto salvation for all who would believe. Today you're going to declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Today you're going to stand before man, no longer afraid, and you will exchange that fear for faith, and God will give you power, love, and a sound mind in exchange for your fear. And today... God will empower you. You see, the water is a very empowering place. You go in afraid of man and you come up committed to God. You're no longer afraid. You did it. There's something very embarrassing about getting wet in front of a room of people. (laughs) There's something embarrassing about wearing a skin-tight black shirt. (laughs) It's like skin on a sausage is what it looks like. But you know what? I'm a fool for Christ and I don't care. Because I have the privilege of watching people go in and come out and I see the look on their face and the testimony upon their heart. And when they step outside this building, they will face ridicule and mocking. But they know something. The tomb was empty. Their God is alive. And as the Apostle Paul said, if there be no resurrection, I'd be of all men most pitied. He lived in such a way that That if the tomb is empty and my God is alive, why would I worry about anything else? Why would I be afraid? He's overcome death. He's my God. He's delivered me. He's cleansed me. He's redeemed me. I'm no longer afraid. I'll do this in public. I don't care. And the joy is, it's a favorable crowd. And the last cheering they're going to get is in this room. So you better be loud. Because when they go out there, it's going to be put to the test. He'll never let us down. He'll never fail us. We'll fail him, but he won't quit. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. But today, you're his and he's yours. And today, you want the world to know that. And that's what John testified to. And that's what you're going to do. And that's what Charlie did And that's what Reverend Smith did to William Herndon. That's the power of truth. God wants to use you today as testimony written on your heart for the world to see. And I'm going to pray for you and we're going to cheer for you. So get ready to get dunked. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for this great gift of baptism, not unto salvation, but unto testifying that you are the way, the truth, and the life that you have been written on the tablets of our heart that the world would see that we're new creatures in Christ and we proclaim before a fallen world in the darkness of this world, we allow your light to shine so bright it glorifies our Father in heaven to declare that you're the King of kings, the Lord of lords, you're the Lion of Judah, you're the Prince of Peace, you're Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tzedekinu, Jehovah Shalom. You are the Lamb of God. You are my Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, my King. And so we thank you. We honor you. We glorify you. Each man and woman who comes today in obedience to baptism is testifying of their love for you. And they're no longer afraid. It's your kindness that has led us to repentance. It's your love that's empowered us to stand in the face of opposition without fear. What a wonderful Savior you are. What a profound and powerful God you are. And what a loving Father. 
We honor you. We bless you. Bless these men and women that come today. Encourage them and allow us as their brothers and sisters to be that encouragement as well. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.